Sheila, do yeah. you ever like have a feeling that you are in a strange land? Like maybe you've fell through like the crack of some world that you're in and you're like in another dimension or something. Yeah. All the time. Maybe it's like, we're like Richard from Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. best ones but hey <laughs> yeah uh, but welcome to potheads who read potheads who read potheads who read yay um and this is Josie and Sheila's book club yeah we like to read <laughs> we do we have a problem it's a good problem I think it's better than other problems like absolutely drugs and alcohol and gambling <laughs> whatever, whatever. I, mean, I like to play baccarat and gamble a little too <laughs> I, play, I play bunko <laughs> some people so, you know what I'm talking about Josie and Andy I told them and they're like what the what yeah I've never heard of that before it's a lot of fun yeah so how have you been I feel like it's been so long since we talked I am am better. My sinus yeah. issues are all, they seem to be all gone now, finally. And then today um, we celebrated my husband's birthday. My son says he's nine years old, <laughs> um, which is funny because my son is, my son thinks that I'm one year older than him and my husband, and he knows and he thinks Eric is one year older than me. So I'm like, all right, I am seven. <laughs> but uh, I baked a cake today, and um, that's what I do. I bake cakes for birthdays in our family, and it's really important to the, the little child in our life. Yeah. Because last year, funny story, <clears throat> I told Dash, I was like, go ask your dad what he wants, what type of cake he wants for his birthday. And Eric goes, I want cheesecake. And I was like, I don't make cheesecake. <laughs> so I don't. And I don't like cheesecake, so I don't make it. And um, Dash is like, cheese can't be a cake. <laughs> <laughs> and so Eric, we went out and we bought a cheesecake. And... Um, we got Dash all excited about it. Eric's like, he's not going to be you. He's not going to be you. And um, we, we do our little birthday celebration, and we give him a little piece, and he takes a bite, and he, like, wrinkled his nose and made a funny face <laughs> with his mouth, and he's like, that's not very tasty. <laughs> that's so <laughs> and, sad. I love cheesecake. He like basically Eric ruined his birthday for Dash last year because he didn't have a good cake. And so this year on Friday, I was like, well, we let you and I need to go to the store because we need to go buy ingredients for daddy's birthday cake. And he goes, 
it's not that cheesecake again, is it? <laughs> and I'm like, no, we are never having cheesecake again for our birthday. <laughs> that's sad. I love cheesecake, but that's also probably because I don't like chocolate. But I, I, your I, I don't mind cheesecake. I like so like I like certain cheesecakes, but some but yeah. I don't know. Like they yeah. have to be doctored up for me to love them. Your cake that you made though. I saw pictures on Facebook mm-hmm. and it looked amazing. It, it looked was, so good. It was so was yummy. Was it, it like super chocolatey inside though? No, it's a it was cookies and cream and so um it's just a like a a white cake base or a cake mix with um Oreo cookie crumbles in it. Uh-huh. And then um and then I made a uh, a, like Oreo f- frosting mm. and then I did a vanilla frosting I did vanilla in the middle between the two layers so it wasn't all Oreo tasting I could probably have a piece of that it, I mean, I'm like not a Oreo. huge chocolate fan and I'm not a huge like like Oreos I take like yeah I take them apart to dip them but the half that doesn't have the frosting <laughs> on it I just throw away <laughs> or I give it to somebody who will eat it I will not do it. <laughs> right? uh, yeah, no. Um, it was really good. And um, Dash said it was a keeper. And Eric says it's a keeper. So I don't know if it's going to be a keeper for Eric's birthday. But now it's in our cake. My, or not our, but my repertoire of what I can make for cakes. Oh, good. So, yeah. I mean, if anybody's going to tell you, a six-year-old will. So He will. I mean... <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah, so that's what we did. We celebrated a birthday, and that's okay. about it. Oh, I should tell you. Well, actually, I already told you, but um, when I was baking again a couple weeks ago, Dash was doing something, and he's hollering for me. And I, my banana bread, I was taking it out of the oven, and I saw to my right my cat, which has passed away walk through the kitchen and those of you who are my listeners you're like Sheila you have another cat it wasn't my other cat because I locked my other cat up because I didn't want him to get into my my baking stuff I didn't want him to contaminate anything and so my cat like walked my ghost cat apparently visited us while I was like baking I was kind of Aww. like I wasn't scared, but it just it surprised me because like in my head I'm Startled. like oh, it's, I'm just like oh it's Dash Dash the cat and then I'm like oh, wait I don't have cat. Dash the cat anymore. I know. So. Well, I mean that's like so. I mean we talked about this. Yeah. Night. Like it's so happy and sad to think about that. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. So so that's that's about it. I've been baking a lot apparently. 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 I am not a baker at all, and even I made cookies in the last couple weeks. They were really good. Were they good? You you sent me pictures, and I asked you if you were they were good, and you're like they're still hot, and I'm like I don't care. That's when they're best. (laughs) Um. Well, I think I said they're still hot, and I have to eat my dinner first. (laughs) You may have said you have to eat your dinner first. (laughs) Yeah. So. I mean, they are really good. I think I, well, because I deviated from the recipe a tiny, tiny bit. It was a cream cheese cookie, and it's super, super easy to make. I, instead of adding two 
teaspoons of vanilla. I did a teaspoon and a half because I wanted a little bit of coconut flavor because mm-hmm. I love coconut. Mm-hmm. And coconut extract goes quite a long way. And I did a teaspoon of coconut with it. So they're very coconutty, but not in like a bad way. They're so good. I was actually really pleased with how it came out because I've been like baking and meal prepping and doing a bunch of stuff. And is complicated as some of it feels it makes me feel like I'm going with um like I don't know if anybody remembers one of our early episodes after the new year we were like what's a what's a word for your year and mine was like just to simplify and I feel like I've been cooking a lot more I've been meal prepping I've been doing certain things and I feel like that part of my life, like my food life, is just becoming a lot more simpler, even yeah. though I'm like doing a lot more, if mm-hmm. that even makes sense at yeah. all. But it's yeah, just yeah. like taking a hand on like what I've been eating and I get migraines with certain stuff that I eat and stuff like that. So it's just been helping with that a little bit. And That's good. So yeah, so it's I've been taking a hand on that and apparently now I'm a baker. And my sister who is the baker in the family. I was going to ask like April bakes, right? Yeah, April is definitely the big baker in our family. So when I was sending her a picture of like cookies I was making she was like what now I feel like I have to make cookies yeah but I mean I've been doing that I went to my very first uh comic book convention uh in Chicago it's called C2E2 I don't know if that's what they're all called I know ours is called C2E2 I think I think it depends on like where you're at and who's hosting it like there's gonna be a what did they? It's like, I think it's just like they're calling it Wilmington Comic Fest, and like it's their first year, and it's just like a young, like uh, not a young, but it's just it's it's a it's a baby, it's brand new, and like mm-hmm. it's their first one ever, so they're they're hopefully just gonna grow from here on out. I, yeah. I think we might go. That's in April. I need to figure that out. It was a lot of fun. It's the first time I've ever been. My friends that I went with, like they go every year or try oh, yeah. to go every year. And um they made these plans with me back in September, like no joke. They were oh, the so are that, these the friends you went to the Renaissance? <laughs> yeah, these are the friends that I went to the Renaissance Fair with. And we got half price tickets for the Renaissance Fair at C two E two. So we're like excited for that. But yeah, so we made these plans like way back in September to go to C two E two and I almost had to go out of town for work. But I'm actually going out of town this coming weekend instead of this past weekend. But I'm, like, super excited because we've also talked a little bit on here about graphic novels. Yeah. And I found a graphic novel that I'm excited to kind of, like, dive into. I think it'll be a good starter novel. I found some little Funko Pops figurines that I've been looking for. You did not buy them, did you? I did. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Your birthday's coming up. Maybe it's not the same ones. It better not be. Okay, well, you won't get what I got you. <laughs> well, I'll have to tell me later. You have to tell me later. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm. I want to tell you at least about one of them because I'm such a nerd and I'm super excited about it. There's an anime cartoon that I 
have watched the whole thing of that I got really into because of one of my friends who I went to this with, and it's called Bleach. And I I have the little Rukia figurines already, and I've been looking for the main character. His name is Ichigo, and I couldn't find him anywhere, like, online or anything. They had, like, a miniature one, or they had a keychain one, but I wanted, like, the big version. And I found Ichigo... And it was, like, totally meant to be because we went back to the booth because there was, like, a few of them. And I went back to the booth. And I'm, like, I don't see him anywhere. And then my friend, like, pulled up and there was one left. I'm, like, ah, it was totally meant to be. Oh, awesome. Okay. And I'm just going to tell you the other one because I'm super excited. It's Luna in the lo- in the lion head. <laughs> I'm returning your birthday present. I'm so sorry. I mean, I've been looking for this. I, mean, I know. So- I mean, do you have one? Keep it for yourself. We can have to be Luna twins. <laughs> I just bought her for you for your birthday. I have oh. something else that's coming. Hopefully you did not bought that. Okay, <laughs> I won't buy anything else for myself. But I will say it was a lot of fun because I, I mean, not that I ever need an occasion to be all Harry Potter yeah, geeked yeah. out. But I was so, I'm such a nerd because I, last year, one of my girlfriends bought me the trunk purse that looks like the Hogwarts, like, travel trunk to go to school. So I, like, had that, and then I have this tank top that has the castle scene on it when they go around and see it for the first time, and then I had my Hogwarts socks on, and then the jacket <laughs> that you made me for my birthday a couple years ago, yeah. um, the gray one, it says, um, I solemnly swear I'm up to no good on the back of it. I had that on, so I was, like, all Hogwarts out, and I felt like so, it was so much fun. I loved it, and nobody like questioned why I had so much Harry Potter stuff on and I actually was like one of the normal ones but honestly like the costumes like seeing everybody dressed up like it made me want to dress up which I think if I go back next year I would totally want to dress up which we talked about this with the Renaissance Fair too like I would totally dress up for the Renaissance Fair too so I kind of have an idea for a female like Robin Hood which I think would be fun. So we'll yeah. see if that works out. I don't know. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. We, um, saw, we saw Captain Marvel. Have you seen it yet? No, I want to. It's so good. So, just like They have a great tribute to Stan Lee at the very, very beginning before the movie. And then um, his little bit that he has, it was, it was good. Like it was, it, it was just really cute. And, um, touching and then uh but like the girl power was like it's like yeah because like I don't know like we we grew up in the 90s and there wasn't really like there was girl power but it wasn't like the girl power that they have nowadays do you know what I mean no it was like girl power where like for me when I think of like 90s girl power it's like you kind of still had to choose to be like the brains or the beauty yeah like Daria like I live for Daria I love that Uh show but it was like she was really sarcastic she was standoffish she wasn't in the in crowd she wasn't like cute like she was supposedly not like the cute one or anything like that Mm -hmm. so it was like you still had people like that where it's like, yeah, girl power, but there's still, there was still some type of stigma to it. Like, there was, and there was just about how, like, they, like, even the, the women characters talked about how, like, they, they had to fight to, to get what 
where they were as pilots. Yeah. You know, in the 90s for them. So, like, it was just, like, it was just very empowering that, like, you know, that they were badass women. Aww. Um, I, I loved it. It was so good. I Dash really want to see it. I really want to see it. Go see it. it. will say, I feel like that's an excellent segue into what we're about to discuss because I have a Harry Potter fact for us, which actually today is not a Harry Potter fact. It's actually a Harry Potter quote. Um, And my sister, Daylin, actually sent this to me. Um, But this, I thought this was like kind of fun and it goes with what you just said. And it also goes into like what we're, what the, book is that we're about to discuss um and this is from emma watson and she says young girls are told you have to be a delicate princess hermione taught them that you can be a warrior yes 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 power is that weird Just that <laughs> no no I want to, can I give a little shout out to some of our listeners? Yeah. We currently have listeners from Ireland, Australia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, United Kingdom, Croatia, and Singapore. Those are our international listeners. And then from the United States. I'm so excited. I know, me too. I mean, first of all, like, everyone internationally thank you so much that's amazing yeah we're super excited about this and then for my uh i I don't know who from wyoming is listening except for maybe a handful of people yeah from the u.s (laughs) we have illinois wyoming michigan colorado hawaii north carolina california florida texas missouri new jersey arizona maryland georgia District of Columbia, Minnesota, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Washington State. Aw, thanks everyone for listening to us. So awesome for, um, we're, we're excited about seeing, like, our map fill up on our little yeah. staff. Yes. So, it's fun. It's definitely exciting. I mean, we just love talking about books and Harry Potter and life, and we just get really excited to do this for everyone. Yes. So thanks. And for we hope that joining. this like brings you to want to read a book or maybe a book by that author, or just to start reading some more. Like yeah, we just and then yeah, just to add to that also is like if you really do enjoy us, um, even if you don't enjoy us. Uh, rate us, subscribe, leave a review, um, good or bad. We want to make this better, but we also want to know if you guys are enjoying it. But the more, the more reviews, the more ratings we get, the more subscriptions we get actually pushes us into, um, a higher ranking. So it's easier for people to find us. Yeah. And then that really helps us out a lot. Yeah. And like, and just like just said, like the more you review us and rate, rate, rank us and or rate us and even if you like send us an email like tell us your thoughts like what would you like us to do not like us to do let us know because we're just we're just winging it here folks yeah basically (laughs) I mean yeah we're basically finding a book and just being like yeah let's read this this sounds like fun yeah (laughs) because this is what we do in our real life books (laughs) we were never but we were never really reading books (laughs) 
like sometimes we read books at the same time, but most of the time I would read a book and then just I'd be like, Josie, you need to read this book. And then she'd read it and then we'd talk about it. We never read them at the same time. Right. Or vice versa. Or, yeah. I yeah. mean, like literally sending packages <laughs> books. of books to each other. Yeah. Like, here's five books. You need to read these. Here's <laughs> your homework. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and we've been doing this. I like no joke for like ten, decades like 10 15 years yeah basically since Sheila and I moved away from each other we have been doing this so it's just something that we really love to do so we hope you all enjoy it too yes, yeah excellent well thank you Sheila for sharing all those states and countries it's really exciting yes. I can't wait to see more so let's move on to our book. Yes. So um, the book is Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. And I picked this book. And uh, how about let me pick? read let me read the synopsis and then you can tell me why you picked it. Okay. Neverwhere is the story of Richard Mayhew, a young London businessman with a good heart and an ordinary life, which is changed forever when he discovers a girl bleeding on the sidewalk. He stops to help her, an act of kindness that plunges him into a world he never dreamed existed. Slipping through the cracks of reality, Richard lands in the Neverwhere, a London of shadows and darkness, monsters and saints, murderers and angels that exist entirely in a sub labyrinth the neverwhere is home to door the mysterious girl richard helped in the london above door a noblewoman whose family has been murdered is on a quest to find the agent that slaughtered her family and thwart the destruction of this underworld kingdom if richard is ever to return to his former life he must join the journey to save door's world and find a way to survive why did i pick this book um for a long time, I've wanted to read um, some of Neil Gaiman's uh, books, and I was just reading through a bunch of synopsises of his books, and um, this one just kind of pulled at me. It was just, I, I don't know, like, I was intrigued by, like, the two worlds and and whatnot, and... Okay, so my initial impression of this book was... Actually, surprisingly, really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I have read Neil Gaiman before. I but I read like super fantasy filled books of his, which was Stardust and Coraline. Right. Um, his other book that I've started reading years ago that I just kind of put down and haven't finished. I'm halfway mm-hmm. through it. Is Good Omens. Um. And I feel like Good Omens is very much kind of like this, where it takes this sort of, like, fantasy idea and intertwines it with the real world and how, like, what's happening right now, which this book does as well. Very, yes. And I've always really, I have said this before um, to you, and I've said it on the podcast that um I'm that person who always likes to see the other side of things right so and that's what this whole entire book is it you have London above you have London below even though probably 90% or more of it takes place in London below there's 
always this conversation about London above. So it's it's literally that that idea of everybody tells you to go left, don't ever look right. And I'm always that one who's like, yeah, but what's down the right side? Right. I So I get to see both of that in this. Uh-huh. So I actually ended up really enjoying it. Um, reading, getting into the book wasn't really super difficult for me, but it did take a couple chapters to figure out the flow of it. Yeah. Um, the first chapter is like all about Richard, um, who is our main character. Uh, and it's a really sweet chapter of him leaving, uh, the night he leaves for London. Um, they're in his Scottish pub with all of his friends, like sending him off. And it's a really sweet, um, kind of like bittersweet thing. Like if you've ever had that moment in your life where you are getting ready for a big move and you don't quite know what to expect. So it's all really bittersweet. Like you want to be excited, but not overexcited because you're leaving your friends, but they're happy for you, but sad to see you go. Like it's all this like mix of emotion. Yeah. Um, but it's like seeing, him transition and like go through all of that was really simple but then once you actually get into the story in London there would just be like right in the middle of action it would just all of a sudden have these big bold letters and it would change the character and it would change what's happening so you do get a moment you do get that absolutely get that sensation of there are multiple things happening at the exact same time. Yeah. But there would still be like a little tiny part of you that you're just like, no, I'm not finished with that section though. Go back to that <laughs> section. What happens? Right. Um, so, but once I got past that and I feel like if people are, I kind of have thought about this a little bit. Like if I would have been warned that that happened, would it, would it maybe have helped me, get through it easier and it might have a little bit just because I would have been like okay this is how he's writing all of this this is how this one this is how it's going this is it's all in one happenstance all of the different characters across all the different plots this is what's happening in that moment yeah all at Um, the same time and that's why he's doing the the breaks and changing from one group to another group to another group yeah, but I so. also feel like that's part of, like part of the journey of the book is kind of figuring out he does that as well. But yeah, um, it definitely it definitely made for a good read. It made it yeah easy to follow. Honestly, it made it easy to follow the characters much better than I actually thought it would have. Right. Because at first I'm like, am I going to keep everything straight in my head? But I totally did. It was totally fine. Just because he had, he obviously had a through line for everything. And mm-hmm. it, it did make it easy to go, go from one thing to the next. Yeah. Well, um, my initial impression was, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. It's, um, it's very magical. And like you, I also like the 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 above and the below. It's kind of like Harry Potter in the sense that, like the magic or the the Muggles really have no idea about this magical world of um, the wizards, and and never where it's very similar. Like the uh, London above people, they really don't 
see. They, they they literally have like this fog kind of like between them where they don't really see the 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 London below people when they come up above. Yeah. Because like they'll just kind of walk right on by you. They won't pay attention to you. Things won't work for you. Um like mechanical things. <laughs> uh Yeah. Like Richard and, couldn't get on the train and yeah, or and then call a taxi. Yeah, uh, and then but like if you worked hard at like making sure you were seen, like you went up to the somebody and you were like, "Hi, how are you?" And then they'd look down at you like, "Oh, hello, where did you come from?" Like that that was kind of the extent of it. Is very kind of like there's just like I said, there was just like little fog that they couldn't. And they saw you, and once they saw you, they just kind of forgot about you, too. It was very instant. And they really wouldn't ever remember you ever again. Yeah. But I really like, I, I really liked it. I like that it, it's pretty clean. Like, I would say, like, there's no swear words. And sometimes I feel like things get just loaded with cuss words sometimes. Just for the use of cuss words. Mm-hmm. Um, this one does not have it. I think there might be like one or two. It's it's maybe a handful if there are any mm-hmm. swear words, but they're very minor. Something that you would see on like regular public TV, not HBO TV. Yeah. And but even like it's not gruesome. It's I mean there's gruesome spots, but it's not writes, gory. It's not gory. He writes it so well. He's a great storyteller and a great Neil Gaiman or Gaiman is a great storyteller and a great like weaver of words that he's just able to make it flow together like just so well. Yeah, he's definitely able to weave a picture for you to know exactly what's happening and still yeah. leave part of it up to your imagination of what's happening. Yeah. And another He doesn't thing- have to go he doesn't have to go into like the blood squirting, like, blah, 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 like, yes. overflow of whatever. He doesn't have to do that because mm-hmm. he tells you, I mean, he's so direct sometimes with what is being done to these characters that you right. know what's happening. Like, you can yeah. see what's happening. You don't need the imagery of what, like, the blood or the body or whatever is doing. Right. Because everything is just so, like... You know, you just know. Like, 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 it's just clean. You're like, this is exactly what happened. I can see everything. Right. And it's kind of in your own mind how gory or gruesome everything is. Because it's just in your own own imagination. Your own imagination. And and that's one other thing I like about this story. He lets us see what maybe we want or need to see as our own individuals like he Mm kind of leaves a little bit up for us like it's not there necessarily to shock us and to make us go oh my god right um and you know and that's that's another great I think another great thing about you know certain writers like if they can do that they've done their job and then another thing and we kind of touched on this the other day when you and I were talking like he has a wide range of of how he writes. Mm-hmm. Like he's written Coraline and Stardust, which are a, little, are a little bit more children stories. I mean, and Stardust is like pretty in depth fantasy. It's like yeah. a whole different world. Yeah, and then we have Neverwhere, which is 
you know, pretty, I'd say pretty moderate. Uh-huh. And then you have, which I just started, American Gods, which I'm only like at my first hour into it because I'm doing audiobook. And it is completely adult. Mm-hmm. You know, so like he's, you know, he has the whole spectrum and it's, he does it well. He does each level mm-hmm. very well. So, he, and that, I think that just goes to show like how good he is at his craft. Yeah, definitely. The other thing that I really liked about this is with, like, the gore and the gruesomeness and everything, um, it's the whole thing of people adding things in for shock value, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't. Um, Sheila and I went to college together, and we both have taken the same classes where they actually talked about this quite a yeah. bit. Why, like, what is the intention of putting something in there? Yeah. Are you doing it because you can? Are you doing it because it's it actually makes the story flow? Right. And it's, you just see things or read things sometimes where everybody's, like, dropping the F-bomb or, like, cussing or mm-hmm. everybody's, like, over-sexualized. And it's just, like, that's not the reality. People, not every single person acts that way. Not every... Right single character is going to act that way even if you grow up in the same world there's going to be different sensitivities for people and characters that Mm -hmm. it's just not feasible that every single character acts that way right um it just kind of makes me think of the tv show deadwood where every single person in that show just every other word was the f word and it's like that's just probably not it's just not believable. And so right. for me, when I when I see stuff or I read stuff like that, it just ends up not being enjoyable because mm-hmm. then I'm like, well, now you're just trying to shock me or trying to make me feel a certain way. And it's not making me do that. Right. It's just now it's just kind of annoying me. Right. I get you. Yeah. So yeah. it was I mean, there was one spot at the probably the goriest part in the entire book was the one spot where um one of the main characters hunter she actually ends up fighting this beast with richard mayhew um, which is kind of her goal like her goal in life was to kill this london beast yeah because he they there's fables in every major city and she's the one who's, like, killed them all. So this was her goal. And that was probably the goriest scene with, like, yeah. the most detail of, like, blood and crushed bones and yeah. stuff like that. And then there was a part where Richard actually had to take the blood from the beast. And he had to put it in his mouth and put it on his eyes because it was going to actually help him. He had to do it. And that was probably the most anyone ever, like... Yeah. Really, they really mentioned like any type of play on blood or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. It really I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned, they mentioned blood. They mentioned obviously people being hurt or whatever, but there's never even mention of somebody having to like really be in it. And yeah. that's the one time that he's like in it. But yeah. it's also, interestingly enough, like the part of the book where they're most into their whole journey. Yeah. So. We could try to go and give you a really extended plot. <laughs> we mm-hmm. actually tried this, and we are 
<laughs> re-recording because it was so crazy. It did not work. It did not work. This this book has a very intricate intricate weaving <laughs> plots. Yes. Um, if we had to give you any type of plot, I'll I will attempt to give you a 30 to 45 second plot but you also have to understand that this literally is almost the baseline of just the main character there's so many other subplots mm-hmm. to this that it and it's what makes the story so great so and so good. incredible and builds this world of london below so much right. that you just really have to read it to get into the yes. into the story into the book so if we were to give you a quick rundown of the plot here it is. Richard Mayhew is from London above. He ends up stumbling across a girl, bloody on the street, hurt, obviously, with his fiance walking next to him. The fiance doesn't notice her. He does. He chooses to help her. Once he helps her, he ends up going into the cracks of the world for London Below. He is no longer longer accepted at London Above. Once he gets into London Below, he ends up meeting a vast variety of characters Mm -hmm. and people and ends up on this destination to help door find why her family has been assassinated and killed you meet villains islington mr croup mr vandermar you meet um hunter who is another main character who ends up being doors bodyguard you meet the marquee who is helping door along with um some other characters who help door she is in good standing they go through a lot of plots and twists and turns and tasks to find out who killed door's family and then once they figure all of that out richard gets the choice of does he go back to london above or stay with london below yep the end the end what happens what happens that what was definitely that was definitely probably over 45 seconds i think it was but, <laughs> but that's, gonna be, that's gonna be the quickest way to to break down the plot one thing that sheila and i realized when we were actually discussing the plot because we really did try to do it and even in my head when we started it i'm like no this is gonna be simple because this is literally the storyline mm-hmm. a good guy saves a girl and he just wants to do right by her a girl who's innocent in a lot of this and wants to find out what happened to her family ends up getting this band of misfits together to figure everything out right so in your head you're like no that's totally an easy story but then we would talk about it and it'd be like yeah well at the same time this was happening this was happening and you have all these little bird walks off of the plot to are important that are important <laughs> so then you have to go into them and then you're like backtracking and then all this and so <sighs> Yeah. So you there just, you go. Yeah, that's there's the, the story. You just have to read it. Um, we and do. F- no, you'll ahead. love it. You'll love it if you read it. I think. Yeah, um, I especially think if you're a fantasy, sci-fi type even, fan. Even if I honestly even feel like if you're that person, maybe you're not fully into fantasy because I. This would probably be good if you're not into fantasy. Right. I feel this like it'd be a good a, introduction to yeah. it because there is some fantasy ideas. Right. There. I mean, you have like trains that nobody else can see, enclosed stations that People were closed magic, down in 1920. Yeah. People have magic abilities. Yeah. Um, 
there's definitely an interweaving of where London Below is. I mean, there's like, they talk about the market. They have a couple, there's a couple points in the, in the book where they go to the market. And this is where all of the trading is done and they have a market every week. And the market changes settings every single week. week yeah. And there's like one week it's in Harrods. There's another week <laughs> where it's in this park where you have to cross this bridge where everybody's afraid of it because mm-hmm. there's a toll that has to be paid to cross it. And you don't actually end up finding out what that toll is until after Richard crosses it. Um, which is that like one person is taken by the night. Um, there, I think there's a ship one night. Yeah, there's a Um, ship. I think there's one point where it's like alluded to like being kind of in the sky. Yeah. Um, so there is some definitely fantasy ideas, but if you're, if you're not like a write out fantasy person, this is going to be that, that brink. Across those worlds even I feel like even if there's just a slight part of you that's like what if there was a parallel universe because that's almost yeah. what it is this it is, is almost the yeah. story of parallel universes more than fantasy I agree or fiction versus nonfiction. Mm-hmm. it's definitely a story of two parallel worlds and how they literally coincide but the London below just has no, it, it becomes fantasy with the fact that there's no time constraints in this world. Mm-hmm. There's characters that you find, um, actually the two, two of the villains in, um, the book, two of the three villains or three or four villains, they, um, they have this epilogue at the end where they're walking through the 16th century and they're, like, pillaging this village, and they're like, yeah, this is fun. I like the 16th century. Where do we want to go to now? And they're like, what about 400 years from now? Mm-hmm. And so they choose to go into the time of Dora and her family and Richard yeah. and this and basically get work doing what they do best, which is right. torturing and killing. Um, and then, you know, you have Dora, the main character, who is walking around and she's somewhere in London below. And she's like, yeah, I ran into some Roman soldiers. It's so random. Yeah. So random. And And they're like, they're just camping out. Right. And then like at the end, like Richard and Dora have this scene at the end where Richard is choosing, does he stay in London below or go back to London above? It's, like, he asks, like, where are we? Where is this park? I've never seen this park in London before. And she's like, well, it's not really just one park. It's a piece of a bunch of things that have fallen through from London above. Like, pieces yeah. of London above that have fallen to London below that have just stayed in place. Yeah. Um. So, it, it's interesting how it was able to weave all of that so seamlessly. Yeah, and I, there's some I do want to mention. Josie and I did read um, the same version, so I guess there's a couple different versions. Because when this was written originally, and I think like '94, or published in '94, he um, he couldn't put everything in it that he wanted to put in it. <laughs> They're like, no, you don't need that. Or there's even just some stories that he just wasn't ready to put into it. 
And so every time it got republished, he kept adding more to it. And um, R says, as of right now, from like a, a few years ago, whenever this was republished, was this is the author's preferred text. And so like we have an extra little story at the very end about um, the Marquis getting his coat back because he loses his coat, coat <clears throat> during the story with Dor. Like he, but he's added other stuff in it. So for some reason we we mentioned something and you've read this book before, or maybe you have a copy. It's not our copy and we mentioned something that you're like that wasn't in the book it's because we have a book that actually has more of the right the book and it's how neil gaiman actually originally envisioned the whole story right so which i think mm-hmm. is you know it's cool that he was finally able to in his his career as an author to be like sorry editors this is what we're doing right and I mean, Sheila, you mentioned this the other day when we were talking about this also that because I had told Sheila about how the breaks really got me yeah. Um, at first before I got used to them. And, you know, Sheila also mentioned that he this was a story he created and then kind of put down and then turned it into a TV show Yeah. on like BBC. And... Then he was like, okay, I'm going to write the book now. Like, I want to well, go back to my book. Yeah. I want to go back to my story. Well, the funny thing about when he was writing, because he was writing the screenplay for the um, for actual the actual TV show, Neverwhere. And every time, like, the director came in to, with the script saying, we have to cut this section out, he would he would literally say to the director, that's okay. I'll just put it in the book. And he said it so often that when the director came in one time, he's like, we're, he's like, we're cutting the scene. And before you say it, I don't want to hear we're putting it in the book <laughs> or you're putting it in the book. So it was yeah. just funny that like, he's like, that's fine. You can do whatever you want. I'm still going <laughs> right. to put it in the book. Right. Um, yeah. And I'll be honest, uh, after reading this, I'm like, I, I want to watch this this show um and I did look it up it's on Amazon I can purchase it for I don't know how much but it's like six episodes so mm-hmm. I'd be like to see what they did with did with yeah it. so yeah definitely um I mean I do feel like we should probably go into who some of the characters are um where there's no way we could go into every single character that you meet into this book. Um, there's a lot of small characters that have big impact. So yes. you're, uh, the Hammersmith is like one of those characters. Old and you don't, yeah, Old Bailey. Um, the I, I'm gonna say her name wrong, but um, she's one of the Velvets. Lamaya, Lamaya, Lumia, Lamia. Lumia? Lumia? Something like that. She's basically just like this goth girl who's kind of a vampire, kind of I'm not. going to I'm going to call her a succubus. And if you know what a succubus is, is they just they they're like lovers that suck the life out of you. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically. Uh you meet Serpentina or Serpentine? Serpentina. 
Serpentina, um, Varney, like all of these characters are characters that you meet. Um, Ana, Anastasia, 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 Anastasia. <laughs> well, apparently We're, we have issues with some of these names. Yeah, right. It's easier to read them than say them. But she was the little girl who helped Richard um, with I Hunter. Think she was, I think she was like a teenager. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, they said young girl, but Richard was an adult, so. He's um, like yeah, 20, she probably, yeah. Yeah, He's she like 25, 27. Probably. Um, but she, I mean, there's, like, this whole world of, like, rat people and sewer people, and she mm-hmm. was a rat speaker, and she um, helped Richard cross the bridge into the first market, and she was one of the chosen ones to be taken by the night. Um, and... She her character is only at the beginning, but she's mentioned several times throughout the throughout whole the story, book. yeah, and uh, throughout the story because Richard is really affected by her being taken by the night. Um, well, besides Dor, she becomes like his first friend in London below. below. Yeah, and like he was. You know, I mean, she and, does become his first friend because yeah. it even takes it even takes Dor quite a, a while little, for a while. Yeah. for her to like really be like, okay, Richard, come with yeah. us. Um, yeah. So yeah, so you have all of these great impactful characters um, that definitely drive the story through. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have your main characters. Yeah. I mean, I would even say like. I would honestly, Jessica, I would even put her in that list of, like, smaller characters who drive the story through. And she's somebody who gets mentioned a lot because Jessica was um, Um, Richard's fiancé. She was a big part of his life. But, yeah, so the main characters, you have Dor. Dor is a, um, a, basically a a noble woman of London below, but she also has a special power and that special power is she can open doors or portals locks locks to, to go to places. Um, And that's how she actually stumbled upon Richard was she was attacked by the assassins and she put her hand on a wall. There was no door there, but she put her hand on a wall and was just like, take me someplace safe. Take me to someone that will help me. And a door was created and she fell through. And she fell at the feet of, of Richard. Who who was in London above and ideally should never have been able to see her. He should not have been able to see her, but he did. <clears throat> and then there's Richard who is this like, he's a very nice, sweet guy. Kind of blundering sometimes, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But he has so much growth in the story. He's just that good guy that you want things to happen to him. Because he's yeah. that guy who, if you're cold, he'll give you the coat, his coat, even if he's cold, too. He's he's, he's a good friend. Yeah. He's going to do the right thing over the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a- Which is so apparent so many times through the story. Um, even when they find out that one of the people that they've been tra- traveling with is a traitor, he still is like to the end, like, no, we still have to take care of her. Right. Yeah. And then you have Hunter. Mm-hmm. She is enlisted as Lady Doors bodyguard. Mm-hmm. 
um, after a series of trials um, for for the bodyguards. And she has this whole, like, kind of secretive background as well. But she definitely has a reputation that precedes her. Everybody I, knows who she is. Yes. Um, and then you have the Marquis de Carabas, which we will probably just continue calling the Marquis because that's way easier. Um, and he's, to me, he was this guy, kind of um, Gandalf, Dumbledore-esque type character mm-hmm. where he's kind of the wizard that has the trick up his sleeve. Right. Um, he is the one who has like the answers of where to go, who to see, what to do. He is the one who has the foresight to see that there's something else to the story than what meets the eye. Yeah. But unlike Gandalf or Dumbledore, one of those great wizards that you could compare him to, he is very much at the same time all about himself right he's he, he's very conniving um yeah he, he's not doing this for free he's not doing this out of the goodness of his heart he right. owes he owes lady dora's father a, a, a favor, favor and he knows that so he's doing it off of the favor he's yeah. not doing it to help door because yeah. of anything endearing yeah and then but and here's the other thing we, we may touch on it depending on what we end up talking about, but they, London below, they don't have a currency system like we do. They pay with favors and trades. So like, it's funny, like the first time Richard goes to the night market, he's starving. He hasn't eaten in like 48 hours or something weird like that. And so, and he doesn't have anything but the clothes on his body and whatever's in his pockets and he's walking through the market and he's smelling all this food and he finds this booth that he likes and he's he picks out what he wants and the lady's like okay and he pulls out what's in his pockets and she takes like a ballpoint pen and a and something else i don't remember what else she took but she oh, took oh yeah it was, was something really, something kind of simple and weird and he's like really like and the lady was like i got the best deal ever and he's like i'm getting all this food for a pen and a piece of lint i mean and and it wasn't she, lint, yeah but. She, yeah it wasn't lint but it was something like kind of insignificant that richard would never mm-hmm. even think of think twice about probably right and she actually even get, ended up giving him like a little bit of extra food yeah so she was like no this is fantastic here take this too yeah so that they they trade that way with like you know their things that they find or things that they own um and it's that's just how they they work down there yeah um so and so then you have your bad guys mr mr croup mr (laughs) vanmar and um then you also and they're the guys that killed Dor's family yes. and they're basically hunting chasing her through the whole book through the whole book yeah but their but their task also ends up changing from their employer yeah because originally it was kill out kill all of them and then it was kill whoever you have to to get her you can torture her but bring her back to me mm-hmm. and then it was don't hurt her just bring her to me. And right. then it was, eh, just scare her. Just scare her. 
So these guys were getting antsy through the whole book because they were like, no, do you even realize, like, who we are? This is not what we do. Yeah, they're like, we do so much more than this. What are you doing? You want us to scare her? Yeah, like, you realize that's just a menial task for us. Like, we can hire somebody to scare her. And you could tell that, like, they were kind of, like, irritated and bored with the fact that they couldn't, like, do what, like, they thought they were meant to do. I mean, they even had a conversation at one point where it's like, can't we just torture her a little bit? Right. Like, can't we just do what we do best? And (laughs) Mr. Coop's like, no, that's not what our employer wants. We have to follow the employer. Because that's the whole thing is, like, the two of them are duo. They are connected. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of one is the brains and one's the brawn. Mm -hmm. And although both of them will do whatever they have to do, Vandermar is definitely way more into the torturing and killing. And Coop is definitely more into the the show, the spectacle, and, like, the verbiage and the words and everything. Yes. He's the wordy one. Yeah. Um, And And then then, you have Angel Islington. Yes. And he's he's been... He's he's in London Below, and he's been locked up. And he used to be the uh, Atlantis Angel, or he was supposed to, like, watch over Atlantis. Yeah. Um, and then Atlantis obviously fell or disappeared um, into history. So, um, and we don't know why for the longest time, why Islington is kind of like separated and locked up from everybody. Right. And you don't even get the impression right away that he is locked up. It's more just like. That's where angels live. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, this is where I'm at. Like, what? Yeah. Um, thank you for coming and visiting me. Like, this is right. what's going on. So it's kind of just an interesting weave of all these characters of how everything happens and what goes on um, and the tasks at hand. And one of the things that I, I really enjoyed about this book is your main characters all grew right in some way throughout this entire story even jessica who i would not make a main character like she even grew she grew yeah um, at the end the beginning to the end of the book uh and so that's one thing that i really enjoyed about this the marquee had a little bit of growth um well like the marquee what i think i loved about the marquee is like by the end while he's probably, like, chopping at the bit to get away from these people, like, I think he still wants to be with them. He doesn't want to leave his, like, he finally found his, like, his his people, his family. His, yeah, his tribe. His, his tribe. And that was, you know, for somebody, because he, he didn't really want to, he really cared about himself. And you learn at the end that, like, he he left without saying goodbye to Richard because it was basically... <laughs> too hard for him to say goodbye to Richard yeah yeah I mean Richard I feel has the most growth so much growth it was is seriously like the best um protagonist characters storyline that I've seen in a long time or I've read in a long time where you actually see them go from like kind of a feeble just goes with it Richard to a stronger mentally stronger 
intentional intentional and then he's like making decisions i mean at the beginning everything happens to him by happenstance yes he i mean everything (laughs) um he collects troll dolls and it's he doesn't even collect them he doesn't buy them he wasn't really interested in them he found one thought it was kind of funny and put it in his like his cubicle at the Mm -hmm. office and then everybody's like oh you collect troll dolls so they all just kept buying him troll dolls (laughs) and so he had this collection and he was like yeah I don't really like them but everybody bought them for me right he you know he dated Jessica and he thought she was amazing and incredible and worth dating but then at the same time he's like yeah we really didn't even get engaged like I did not propose to her Mm -hmm. we just were shopping one day and then she was like yeah you're buying me this engagement ring we're now engaged and so even his his relationship was happenstance like right well um, like he just like they just bumped into each other at a museum and then like she's like buy me lunch at the cafe yeah <laughs> like she knew how to manipulate him she mm-hmm. she really did but he just kind of went with it he was just like okay yeah definitely and um like and, and that's the thing that I think was great about it is like you see him just kind of this like puppy following along and you do see that at the beginning of him going into the underworld where he's just following along but eventually right. he's he's like well why aren't we why don't we do this or this? And then he goes through a task at one point. Him, Doran, Hunter meet these men called the Black Friars. And each one of them has to do a task. And mm-hmm. Hunter and Dora do two tasks. Hunter does a, a fight with one of the um, Black um, Friars. And Dora does a riddle. And they're like, all right, he's coming with us. And they basically told Dora and Hunter... If he doesn't come back, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, if he doesn't come back, like, they're if like, what gone. happens? Oh, well, if he doesn't come back, he's dead, and he's you gone. guys have to leave. You have to leave. And so Richard goes on this, like, task slash quest, and it's a very psychological, mental task. And yeah. it's, it's, it's seriously almost like what... I would maybe imagine for some people that have um, psychological issues have because like they're coming in and out of reality. Because mm-hmm. and that's what it was he was like in reality and then all of a sudden like there's his Jessica talking to him and then his buddy from work Gary talking to him and then Gary transforms into Richard himself. You know, and it, it's just it's a it's but it's this this beating of the mind and they're 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 basically saying you're mm-hmm. not worth it, just off yourself and and so it's basically like a mental thing, like are you are you strong enough to survive this? Yeah. And um he did. Yeah. It was, it was really And funny. it was hard for him. Like it's there hard. were points it was where not he was, easy. like he really didn't know what was real and what was what was fake. Yeah. And it was really hard for him. But he like mentally came out. There was just like something in him that was just like, no. This innate thing that he has in him, the thing that made him help door right away. Mm-hmm. This innate feeling of like needing to help. There was just this spark where he was like no, I can't do this. I have to help Dor. I have to help my friends. Like, we have to figure this out. And he's like, and I have to get back home. Right. 
have to get back to my life. Yeah, and it's what it what it's what makes them stop. And it's funny because even when they go into the task, at the beginning of Richard going to London below, just to take it back for one second, he follows Dor and Hunter and Marquis around. Like, and they have to come back for him. Yeah. And so they just have this impression that he can't fight. Like, you know, what, how can you handle a knife? Oh, I've never done that. Yeah, you can't fight. Like, that's their whole thought of him is he's Mm -hmm. just this weak person because he can't do physical things that the others can do. And so when they get him to this task, they have no confidence in him. Hunter right. and Dora are like, Dora's like, I really wish the Marquis was here. And She's Hunter's, like, he's expendable. And Hunter's like, he can't handle this. Let me go for him. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, three people come in, three tasks have to be completed, one by each person. Right. And it's funny because if Marquis would have been there, they probably would have had four tasks. And Richard and still would have had to Richard do something. still probably would have had to do something anyway. Right. So, um... It's not even, like, really how the Blackfriars work. But they went in for the tea, and he, even in that moment, he was like, is the tea poison? They're like, of course not. The tea is really more for us as the monks than you, because we don't get visitors. They're like, we don't get visitors that often, and, you know, we just want to, like, calm you down before you go in there or whatever. And even in that moment, Richard probably said something that not a lot of the other people who tried this task before did and he was just like if the tea is not really for anything can we just go into the task like I don't want to sit here and drink I like drink the tea I just want to do it so they're like okay like go in and he does the whole task and then when they come back like it's completed the head black friar tells the other monk all right we'll go grab the body Here's another one. Mm-hmm. Too bad, you know. And they're like, no, he's still alive. And then he's like, oh, so this is always the worst part because he thinks that he's like just maimed really horribly or right. like not good, you know. And so he's like, oh, this must. Let's just take him and take him in, him and we'll make him comfortable. And then it's Richard's like, Richard's like, why? You know, I I don't remember what he said. He's but like, he I'm not says, dead. I'm not dead. I'm here. Like and, like, they, they were all just surprised that, like, he's, like, of able body and able mind. And, like, he came out of that, it, it, you know, like, even, so one monk was blind, and that's why he's, like, go grab the body. He didn't, he couldn't see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that, um, so the other one, all the, all the people that could see him, they saw a change in him. Like, he was standing taller and just more confident in himself like it's like he finally knew who he was Mm -hmm. not that he never really did but he just never had the confidence in himself of you know what to do he definitely knew his worth a little bit more yes yes and um and like when he come like when they finally take him out to door and hunter like hunter even like in her head she's like that is not the man that went in there. That's a different man. And he then he now gets like dubbed the warrior mm-hmm. because hundreds or maybe even thousands of people have tried this task that Richard has done. And oh yeah, they he, even they even talked about the wall of people who've tried yeah. to do this task. They, 
Because they're, they're friars and they're like kind of like people of God. They yeah, they're, they're very so. caring. And so they um, they want to remember these people that come and like fail. Yeah. And so they honor take, them in a way. Honor them. They have this wall of honor, essentially. And they take pictures of them. They had um, like tin prints, you know, from like, you know, the 1860s. They had um, oil paintings and sketches. Um, yeah, watercolors. watercolors. They like, had like little statuettes of people <laughs> who went in there. And it almost like the way it's described, it almost looks like it's just this hallway of full of all people. of these people. Because Richard's like, oh, well, look at all the photo, look at all the other photographs, like look at all the other Polaroids. And then he's like, oh, wait, it's not just Polaroids. It's all these other ones, too. Yeah. So that he could see for like the hundreds of years how many people tried to come do this and he did it so he 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 was this he had the mental he had like the 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 mental capacity of a warrior I guess yeah which is not surprising for him and he's like that through like he's like that through the whole thing Um, it's just I mean he never knew how to like stand up for himself for it right that makes sense yeah well, then, I don't. I think the other thing is too. Like he never really had to stand up for he himself. He never had to, yeah. Because he everything just happened to yeah. him. He was a good guy that things just happened to, and none of it was ever bad. Like, what man is gonna have like this blonde bombshell, like hot fiance, <laughs> and be like, yeah, this is not what I want. Like, he's just gonna be like go with it like yeah I'm lucky like I mm-hmm. should not be here complaining I'm lucky that this is happening right. and so that's how he felt like that's how he acted like I'm lucky to have this yeah yeah it's even like towards the end like he was so adamant about getting back to London above that when he's given that choice there's a poll of him where he feels like he should go with Dor and help mm-hmm. her on her next quest but then he's like no like my life is not down here. So he does choose to go back to London above. Mm-hmm. And even when he goes back to London above, and honestly, the only reason why he's able to go back to London above is because of this task that he passed. Yeah. Because he's now the keeper of the key. Yeah. And until he gives it back to the monks to watch, it is his key and he has the right to use it however he wants. Yeah. And so he's like, yeah, I want to go back up to London above. And he goes back up to London above and he has everything. He ha- I mean, it is really yes. funny when he goes so He back has up. everything and more. Like- right. But he, like, he ends up with a promotion. So when he mm-hmm. thought he had lost his job at the beginning, because he does go to all these places at the beginning. Yeah. Once he falls through the cracks and it, he ends up experiencing nobody seeing him. Mm-hmm. He can't get on the tube. He can't call a taxi. Nobody will talk to him look at like they cannot see him he can't get money out of his yeah he can't get money out of his bank he sees them packing up his desk and putting it in storage he hears a voicemail from jessica where she is like we are through this i can't believe you embarrassed me like that um and so really he had no choice but to like pack a little duffel bag of stuff and go to London below. Cause he mm-hmm. had nothing. He literally was not seen. So when he goes back, he's giddy with excitement because people are seeing him. He freaks out a child and a mom kind of like cusses him out. Like not like really cuss. Cause we already 
She's like, stop being a creep. Yeah, like, why are you being a creep to my child? He goes one block in a taxi, and he's just, like, so happy that the taxi driver can see him. He gives him this really big tip. And the taxi driver wasn't really nice to him. No, not at all. He goes to the office, and they're like, oh, we weren't expecting you back until tomorrow because of your promotion. You had a vacation that came in between it. And he's like, what? I got a promotion? They're like, yeah, you have a corner office with a view. (laughs) And he's like, oh, okay. And then Jessica basically kind of comes crawling back to him and one of the things with him is that he used to always call her Jess and she hated it and he was like sorry Jessica I know you hate Jess and he calls her Jess and she's like no I've really actually missed that and she's like would you I feel like you should have the ring back like this whole thing and um, well and she was even like and maybe we can work on it and try to get back to the back to this and he's like Nah, it's okay. You can keep the ring, but... It's never going to happen. We're not not, going back. I'm not interested, yeah. And he goes back for his flat. The people are still living in it. And so then he goes to his property manager, and they're like, well, we this was a big mistake. We don't know what to do. And he's like... Yeah, they're like, we don't know what happened. And he's like, well, you can just get me a new apartment then and they're like all we have is the penthouse he's like that'll do and you'll furnish my stuff Mm -hmm. and then they end up even finding some of his old furnishings so he literally gets everything he wants and they're at a um pub with drinks for friends and he sees this cute girl who works her way into sitting next to him and talking Mm -hmm. to him and he has this flash of her where he she could sees, be his life. Yeah, like, she marriage, could be his baby. entire life. He sees the next 50 years with mm-hmm. this girl, um, with this woman. And he's like, I could be really happy, and I could do that. And then he kind of tells Gary everything. And Gary, he's but like, he wasn't. Like, this whole, like, two or three weeks that he's been up back in London above, he is He's not happy. He's he's not. He's, he never unpacks his boxes. He's never. He's listless. He um he he keeps like holding the so the hunt the hunter. She gives him her knife because she ends up dying, and she gives him like one of her prized possessions yeah. in her death. And he's like hold like he he kind of like holds it all the time. He plays with it. He puts it on his mantle and looks at it. Like he's, he's just not, he's not happy with like his new life that you would think that everything yeah. has played out. You have it. You have a promotion. You have a new everything he wanted and it's he's, not what he wanted. Apparently. Yeah. It's just not what he wanted. It's not. So, I mean, he just has so much growth and then, he was like then he chooses to go back and I was just so happy because I I was sad I was really sad that he went back to London above but I think he needed to do that because I think he would have always had a question of what would have been what could have happened what would my life have been he He needed to to know he needed to see that his life what it was gonna be and that it was a good life it was the life that everybody strives for right um, the successful job with the promotion, the house, the family, the kids, like yeah. everything he could have had all of it. And he even thinks he's going crazy. He's like, what if I, like when he's talking to Gary, he's like, what if I told you I really story. wasn't 
like in Moroccan uh, Majorca. Yeah, Majorca. He's like I like literally was not there. Um, you know, and so it just like he really kind of struggles with did I go crazy? Did all of this happen? Um the one thing, the one action that Richard did that made me really sad and almost out of character for him mm-hmm. was uh, we mentioned Old Bailey earlier. He is a person that goes through the market and he does every like he's ends up helping the marquee because the marquee dies and comes back to life. Yeah. And he does have a good a good uh, portion of plot in there. But at the end, he when he's saying goodbye to Richard, he gives Richard a feather that has like. Yeah. Um, like, like a coloring string. red and string and on it and Richard's like thank you and he's like this is for you and Richard's like thank you and he puts it in his coat and when he's talking to Gary about all of this stuff he finds the feather and I was like fully expecting this to be this moment of like no this really happened this is what I want my life to be and he just looks at it and he knows what it is he recognizes it and he's mm-hmm. like that's just not what it is anymore and he just throws the feather yeah he drops away it. yeah and it made me so sad because I was just like Bailey old but Bailey I like, love Bailey I, love I know old Bailey. Too. he's I probably Bailey. he's probably like my favorite like secondary character Character. he's like truly a very very good person um yeah in london below and And he just like (laughs) it made me really sad when richard threw that away and i really thought that when richard was going like had made the decision and he started pounding for the door and like all this stuff i thought he was gonna grab it and actually interestingly enough well he does go back to look for it and the um the feather was gone. Like after Gary, yeah. he drops it and he tells Gary, go get in the taxi. I'll catch another one. And I think what he, I, I almost felt like he dropped it because he didn't want like, well, like he, I think he dropped it for himself. And then he dropped it because Gary's like, look, take a break, go home, sleep it off. You know, I think, you know, he was kind of like listening to Gary. And so he was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll sleep it off. And so he drops it. You know, and then he tells him to go get in the taxi and then Richard comes back to where he drops it and it's gone. Like, I think he had every intention of coming back and getting it. And then I think that was like, he too lost late. It. You can't, you can't go back to things you throw away. He lost it. He lost it. Um, yeah, but it was, I mean, it was really interesting. He definitely had the most growth. He was definitely he a great protagonist. Amazing protagonist. Throughout the whole book. Um, you know, the Marquis, we mentioned his growth from the beginning to end, and he actually goes through a whole thing where he does get tortured because he wants to find information out because he's trying to find out. He's the one who, like we said, he's he's kind of the the all knowing person. Mm -hmm. And one thing that he knows is if people think you're dead, they are going to talk talk. And talk more. Or if you're about to die or as you're dying. They talk more. Right. And so he had a a plan the whole time. So he Mm -hmm. knew what he was doing. And he ends up finding out a lot of information that is is very useful. And he steps, he comes back because they look for him at the market, but he's, they, 
don't uh, door hunter and Richard don't know that he's getting tortured. They right. look at him for him at the market from the black fire quest. Cause as they're doing that, he's going off and trying to find out more information and setting right. stuff up with old Bailey and doing all these other things. And, um, he gets tortured. He gets found and killed, found by the sewer people. When we say everything is sold at the market, everything is sold at the market. Corpses, people. Corpses. Yes. And Bailey <laughs> finds them and buys them and brings them back to life. And honestly, like, what I, I chuckled probably harder than I should have at this. But when he comes back, he's like, oh, do you need anything? And Marquis just like, yeah, you when you die, you become really thirsty. Yeah. He's like, I need something to drink. But then he's also like, I, do you have a scarf or something or like a bandage? <laughs> he's like, throat. he's like, my throat's like still open. So he's right. like cover his throat. And it just kind of made me chuckle. Like the thought of somebody like wrapping their neck because of that. But, yeah. um, well, and the way I'm a, he kind of, but <laughs> yeah, the, and the way he comes back is kind of interesting. Cause, um, he gave old Bailey like this tin with something in it. And, Old Bailey got a warning, like it started pounding or beating yeah. or something. And um, so ba- Bailey, Bailey, Bailey even protests. He's like, I don't want I, this. I don't want this. I don't want this. He's like, you take it back. And the Marquis like, no, you yeah. will know when you need to use it. Yeah. It'll give you a sign. It'll give you, and it gave him a sign. And yeah. so that, so that was his sign to go to the the night market and find um, the sewer people and purchase the Marquis body from the sewer people. And then he, he brings him back to life. Like essentially this thing is like a good way to describe it as a horror crux. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not described like how he like split his soul or split his life. Like, cause at one point it was later on, I think he said to Hunter, Mark, the Marquis said to Hunter, I think it was before the beast or, or no, it was after the beast first attacked her or something. But mm-hmm. he was like, do you do you have your soul somewhere else or do you have your life, a second life somewhere? And she's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but the mark, but th- that some people do it so that they can come back. And yeah, that, that's what the Marquis did. And he gave it to somebody he trusted who was old Bailey. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the Marquis. I didn't want to trust him because I knew that there was somebody in her group that was a traitor just because that's kind of how these stories go. I probably would have been shocked if one of them wasn't a traitor. I really expected it to be Marquis. Well, Um, just from like how he was written the whole time and how mysterious and right and how was he was was, like when they went back to Dora's house and he was just like oh this is incredible and then he just like takes her dad's her father's pocket watch and he's just like he's not using it anymore what's the big deal he was just so casual about certain things and then yeah he took the talisman and yeah he's just like this is gonna come in handy he's not using it like so casual about so many things and doesn't come across as like a particularly nice and maybe trusting person even though like door when she was a little girl her father took her to the the night market and was like if anything ever happens and if you ever need anything you need to trust the marquee yeah 
And but but Dor knew that in this world, like you don't trust a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And she even questioned it, like, why are we trusting right. him? He was like, he owes me something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and why she was just like, oh, okay. And he and Marquis even said it. He was like, I owe her father a favor. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm doing this for her. So there's, like, so many parts of that where it's, like, okay, in my head, I'm thinking, like, the favor only extends so far. Yeah. So I was I was not really expecting him to be the good guy that he was. I kind of thought he was going to be the traitor of, like... The group. Yeah. And then we found out it was Hunter. I know. She's really conniving. She's yeah. good. She was She was good at playing her part. She was very good. Well, I'm part of her thing was that she was just so mysterious that she didn't really need mm-hmm. to play the part because right. her reputation preceded her. So if totally. she didn't want to answer something, they were she was just like, No, I'm not gonna answer that. And people were like, Oh, well, she's the hunter. You don't she you don't cross her. Yeah, you don't cross her. You don't have to you don't have to do it. But you and she like you knew that Mr. Croup and Mr. Vandermar had tried to hire Varney as the bodyguard for it to be easier for them, for the bodyguard to get, get, yeah, to get door and lead them right to her in a trap. And so when Hunter comes in and beats, beats this guy Mm -hmm. so seamlessly, like she's just so agile and and quick and so many great things that you like me personally, like I just, loved her immediately because I was just like yeah this is like a powerful female she's like, very strong yeah she knows what she wants she's gonna get mm-hmm. it you know all these things so you're like yeah this is great and then you find out that she's actually the traitor and you find out in the lab like in the down street to get to the labyrinth to get back to the person who um or the being that set the whole thing in motion and but even with that, though, like, she realizes, she realizes what her actions did almost mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. And she went to go kill the beast. She got the spear to kill the beast because she, she handed, um, door, door basically over to Mr. Coop and Mr. Vandermeer. And she's like, do you have my payment? And it's this spear, and it's the only spear that will kill the beast, and she wants that beast to be Mm -hmm. dead. Because that was her ultimate goal, was she wanted to kill the beast. Everything else was just a side side part of that. Yeah. When she finally gets to start fighting the beast, she realizes that this beast is too strong. She gets Richard to help her. Yeah. And Richard ends up helping her and that's actually how she dies as the beast crushes her. Yeah. And um like maims her and it's all really bad. She gives her knife to Richard and that's yeah. how Richard gets the knife and she tells him like take care of it, wipe the blood off right away. It's you, you can't rust the blade, you have to do this, you have to do that. And he's like, why are you giving this to me? And she knows, like, she knew even before she fought the beast, I felt like mm-hmm. what she did was wrong. And she's like, I have to make amends for my actions. Right. And so she even ends up 
like becoming a part of this little tribe like she found like people that she was more comfortable with than anyone and that was includes probably like serpentina who was one of the seven sisters yeah. that she worked for that took care of her yeah. and ultimately actually ended up coming back for her body because that yeah. was another thing like richard like richard he didn't want to leave her body he was like, no, we have to take her with us. And the Marquis was just like, we can't. We have to we can't take Dor take or take her. Like, yeah, it's save Dor or take her. We can't do both. And he's like, fine, then we have to come back. And the Marquis was just like, if she's still here, we will take her back and right. give her a proper burial. If she's not here, then somebody already took her. Got her, yeah. And you do find out that Serpentina, when they're going through the whole thing, Serpentina does come back and take her and they leave right away. Yeah. Um, They didn't want to be down there. Yeah. Like nobody wants to be in Downstreet. And then you have the angel, Islington. Islington, he's not a good angel. He is not. You think he is. That's the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. he's really going to help them. He's really going to help Dora figure out who assassinated the family. You Mm -hmm. really think that Islington's going to help Richard go back to London above and get his life back. Yep. And then you find out part of what the, the Marquis finds out when he's doing everything and getting all of his information is he does find out that Islington's the one who hired the two assassins for Hunter's family and also hired Hunter. Cause he comes back knowing already that Hunter is, is a traitor. Yeah. So. And his intention, like Islington's intention was that he wanted out of his prison. Mm-hmm. He enlisted the help of Dor's father who basically just kind of laughed at him. He's like, no, no, I don't know the repercussions of this. You say it's no big deal, but I don't know what this could cause if I help you get, go back into heaven or do whatever. And well, and Islington's intentions to leave weren't good. Like he was just, he was going to cause havoc for heaven and earth. So, yeah. And he, he said that he got banished because he let Atlantis fall. And they there's even a moment. It almost goes so quickly. There's just yeah. this moment where it's like, why did you even let that happen? And he was like, they deserved it. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what happens in Atlantis for him to allow it to fall. Right. But the other angels were just mortified that he let that happen. Yeah. And it was just all like all of these people died and he was like, no, they deserved it. They didn't deserve to be saved. Right. And so he was basically as an angel playing God and they were like, no, we can't have this. And so they lock him up in this prison for thousands of years. Yeah. I mean, millenniums, like tens of thousands, like you really don't even know how long he was in this prison and he had counsel with lady Dora's father and he was just like no like we can't do it and i'm sure islington was very conniving so you know that he wasn't coming out and being like i'm gonna go do this in heaven and then i'm gonna come back and do this like he wasn't like that at all he was very manipulative and even Mm -hmm. the first time that you meet him he's so nice he He gives Richard and 
door like this wine and he's like sip it carefully you will never taste these grapes again and he's like this was a gift for me from the people of Atlantis like all of this different stuff so it's this wine that's thousands of years old and they're laughing and think it's just like a good time and like yeah we just had this great time with this angel who was so nice He's and they're he's gonna help us find out who killed my parents and get yeah. Richard back and to London. Yeah, and he's actually above. the reason we go on the task for the key. Yeah, um, because he tells them you have to go get the key from the Black Friars. Yep. And so they're like, okay, we'll go get this key. And um, when he comes, when they come back, Door he tells Door he she has to open it, and Richard has this thing where he can like mentally connect to things, like that's part of his. We've already hit on it, like he's mentally strong, like that's mm-hmm. kind of the whole thing. There's a whole point in the labyrinth where he loses the talisman to keep the beast away, and he finds it just by mentally picturing it. Yeah, and so he's trying to send this mental image to Door, like don't don't do it I'm okay like don't do it I'm okay let them do whatever they need to do I'm fine and then they go to cut off his ear and he screams and Dora immediately buckles and is like no don't hurt him yeah and so she opens um she goes up to open open the door and she puts her hand on it and a keyhole appears and she opens with the key and instead of being heaven it's just like this black hole that's sucking everything out. And it's like a vacuum, reason, yeah. Yeah, like, Thor is still, I think she still has, like, one arm shackled, so she's not, I, Yeah. like, she's still down. Marquis and Richard are both still shackled, so they both stay in place. But Mr. Croup, Mr. Vandermar, like, even angel. before this, though, like, Richard, like, plays with them, too. He was like, this angel's not going to pay you your debt. Like, you better get paid now. He walks through that door, you're never going to get paid. And so they're like, yeah, no, you need to settle up with us now. Like, we gave you a service. And he's like, yeah, yeah, when I come back, after I do everything, you guys will be the first ones rewarded. And so even the Marquis and Richard both were like, yeah, you realize that's not going to happen. And he's like, no, it's totally going to happen. Like, <laughs> so it just becomes this thing. And ultimately, uh, Mr. Croup gets sucked out. And Mr. Vandermar is, like, holding on to, like, a table leg. And he's holding on. But... Islington and Croup both get sucked through this door. Yeah. And um, Croup, Mr. Van- not, yeah, Vandemar just he just lets go because he can't live without Croup. Like their needs, team. Yeah, he needs his other half. Yeah, they're just a team. And then they shut the door, and uh, door gets all of them out. And Marquis just like, where did you send them? And she's like, I don't really know. It's just some part of the universe, but they'll be floating for thousands of years. Uh, he, the, the angel's not coming back. Yeah, the angel will not be coming back. Yeah. And you end up finding out, we mentioned the Hammersmith becoming a, he's only in the book for part of a chapter, like one little section. Yeah, it's a small section. And he ends up becoming so big in the book because when they go see the Hammersmith, he's supposed to be making a chain for the key, but what Dor actually has him do secretly is make a second key. Mm-hmm. So the key that they got from the Blackfriars was actually never the key that was even used on the door that she just opened up for Islington. Yeah. 
And so it's just kind of like after all of this happens, they all just kind of like pass out. And you actually end up finding out because they wake up days later. Yeah. Uh, Richard wakes up days later and the Black Friar has him. He's mm-hmm. like in the uh, robes and everything. And Marquis and, and Dor are both in the same robes. Right. They end up kind of talking it out. One of the things that Islington kind of hints to towards Dor when he's in there is he's like, don't let me go. Don't let me out of this room. I'll help you because your sister's alive. So there's the possibility that Lady Dor's entire family was not massacred, that her sister's alive. Because her entire family, it is important to know, her entire family had this ability. Mm -hmm. The fact that she was the one who survived was just kind of Happened fate it was it's just what happened like she was not home yeah when she it was happened. out she was out enjoying seeing the world something that under london below. yeah um so she was just kind of out exploring so for her she's like i have to see if my sister's really out there yeah and she asks Richard, that's the task that she asks Richard at the end to come with her on and he was just like I can't I have to get back to my life I loved how Neil Gaiman just weaved everything together so so seamlessly that, yeah. I mean, it's it's not that this book is difficult to talk about because it's not. Sheila oh. and I have talked about this book for, like, the last four days. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's really easy to talk about, but there's, like, so much to talk about. Right. I don't feel like we could say it enough that we – there's so much that we left out. So much. It's so – you just you just have to go read it. Yeah. And it's, it's not, like, so action-packed that you're, like – it's, like, overwhelming. Like, there's just so much no. going on. But it's, there's enough action to keep you interested the whole time. There's enough right. downtime to keep you interested. There's just such good balance of, like, the yeah. antagonist, the protagonist, like, everything. That no, I, he, did, he, yeah. he did a great job with, like, all of it, the, the antagonist, the protagonist. Like, just it, it all, it, it really is, like, this perfect, like, weaving of a story yeah. that, like, in a way I feel like I haven't read in a long time. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. Would you Would you suggest this story? I would. would I you, would suggest it. Uh, I would suggest definitely. it to everybody. I, I don't care. I would suggest yeah. it to it, If they were like, what's a good book? Neverwhere. What's a good fantasy book? Neverwhere. Never what's a good fiction? Neverwhere. Like, just go read Neverwhere. Just go, go read, read it. it. Just read, read it. it. Don't get scared. I mean, honestly, I'm not going to lie. Like, even when I read the back of the book, like, the um, when Sheila was first talking about it and was like, this is the one that I want, um, that I want to do, I read the back of it, and there was even a little part of me that was like, okay, am I going to like this? <laughs> even though it's, like, has a lot of the components that I enjoy in books, there was just a little part of me that was, like, hesitant with with. Neil Gaiman for some reason and I enjoy his writing but there was just a little hesitation and it might be because I haven't gone back to good omens yet right and so like that's in my head like oh you know I would definitely definitely recommend it yeah me too go read it I'm telling all of you go read Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman yes I agree your life will be better for it 
absolutely will be better for it. Oh my gosh, that uh, I just wish we could talk like for seven hours about everything because there really is just so much more to go into. So much about this book. Now that we're done with this book, Sheila, what else have you pulled from your bookshelf? Um, I listened to The Last Mrs. Parrish. Um, I don't remember who it was by. Um, but it's kind of like a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. Maybe more a psychological book versus thriller. Cause it wasn't really a thriller, but um, I did like it. I really liked it. Go read it. And then my book club just finished, or we just talked about yesterday, Calypso by David Sedaris. It was my first David Sedaris book. Oh, I okay. If, I don't know if it was the one to start with. I don't know if it was the content. I don't know if it was me, but it wasn't as funny as, like, everybody made it out to be. Right. And uh, and the thing is, is everybody's like, oh, he has dry, dark humor. And I'm like, I have dry, I like dry, dark humor. Some of the stuff that people thought was absolutely hilarious, like, I'm like, that's not <laughs> funny. And I don't know, maybe it was my headspace. Maybe it was because I listened to audio versus reading it. Because um, I think sometimes audio versus reading the book can make an, um, can affect it. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's so really I'm, fu- I'm not really sure. Sh- yeah, it's really funny that you say that because one of the books that I actually, I read a lot of books when I was on vacation, which I talked mm-hmm. about. And then I just went through this dry spell where I was so busy. Yeah. Where things were just catching up, where I could only read Neverwhere. Because if I had 20 minutes to read, that was all I was had all time had. to read. Um, but I did just listen to. Uh, this book called Small Town Rumors by Carolyn Brown Mm. and it's a Kindle Unlimited book that was like suggested to me or whatever and I did listen to part of it Um, actually I listened to the majority of it while I was like driving to work or at home cleaning or whatever but then I read some of it too because I actually had to go to the dentist earlier this week Mm. I was while I was sitting there in the office waiting, I was reading the book and then listening to it when I was like in the car or whatever. Yeah. And it did make a difference because when you're reading the books, it's it's your own voice, it's your own spin, it's your own imagination kind of right. creating the characters. When I was reading the book, I was like, oh, okay, and I pictured them differently than when she, when the uh, the person was reading the book, and I was listening right. to it on audio, and then it was also like, I was listening to the voices and like the different voices for the different characters, mm-hmm. which obviously you you should do like when yeah every audio book does that, but it's like at the same time like when you're reading it and it's in your own head of what that character is and then you're hearing somebody else's interpretation of that character it does make a difference yeah so I don't know I'm if somebody were like hey I see you have this on your bookshelf or on your your audible do you suggest it I I would be like no (laughs) don't don't waste your time but I mean but the rest of my book club seemed to really really enjoy it but like I just I guess I was expecting to, like, being laughing out loud because everybody said it was, like, hysterical. And, like, I chuckled out loud a few times. Yeah. I mean, I 
feel like I have an unreasonable bias against David Sedaris, and it's because one of my exes really liked him, so I don't read <laughs> Right, then. <laughs> the big X. The big X really liked his stuff. So I don't uh, I don't read him. I'm like, meh. <laughs> I don't I don't want anything to do with Well, you. <laughs> in my opinion, you're not missing anything. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> good to know. Um, um, but like I said, I don't know. Like it could have totally just been my life this month and I was just like, Wah. You know, but yeah, which I mean, it happens. Hello, if anybody listened to our last episode, that's what my like, that's what the bo- last book was for me. Yeah, it was my headspace and saying, like, my interpretation of that book was completely different than yours and Andy's. Yeah, so I, I totally understand that. Yeah, um, I am excited though because I did listen to Small Town Rumors, it was a cute little book. Kind of, it kind of made me tear up a little tiny bit, which was unexpected, but I did just download the third book for the, uh, which is when series. Um, I've been wanting to get back into those and I'm actually going back to Florida for work this weekend. So I'll have a lot of time by myself in the hotel room. So I'll probably just be reading the whole weekend. Um, that's kind of delightful. Yeah, that's kind of my plan. So, you know, that single life. (laughs) Yeah. That single work life, that out-of-town work life, you know. Yeah. Um, But it's fine. Like, I'm excited. And there are a couple other books on my Kindle that I want to kind of, like, dive into. I have a a bunch. It's just I have to to decide what my next book is going to be. And then my book club, we're in the process of deciding what our April book is. Yeah, so I can't even tell you what that will be. Um, so we'll I mean, see. I finally downloaded the Kindle app onto my phone. I don't know why it's taken me so long to do this. You so haven't had of, it? I haven't had it this entire time. I just downloaded it on there. So I probably <sighs> will be listening to a couple books now, too. I thought about um, listening to a book on the plane. Mm. Um, but then part of me is like, maybe I just want to sleep on the plane today. But, you know. <laughs> just sleep yeah we'll see what happens uh yeah so I'm excited I got some I got some good books lined up I think yeah for for what's coming up I mean you have a plan so that's all that matters all right so Josie what is our well I guess we have two announcements we do we have two so what is our children's book for potheads and training so for potheads and training Andy will be reading to us she's got this by Lori hernandez yay that'll be a fun book i think i agree i think that's gonna be a really fun book mm-hmm. i am obsessed with the olympics i'm honestly kind of surprised that andy went with it and uh is in a sense supporting my craziness of how much I love the Olympics by picking this book. <laughs> <laughs> he like, no, it's like, it's real. He, yeah. uh, the Olympics are on. He doesn't usually talk to me cause I get really intense during the Olympics. I don't know what you're talking about. I um, know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Cause I you know. and your husband and I are the exact same. And we were together one year for the Olympics <laughs> where the three of us were just like for 45 minutes watching this game that none of us knew. And we were like, 
But it's just so intriguing. So intriguing. I mean, we were watching bike racing. It was like, no, why would, why are we watching this? None of us are interested in this. But we're like, it's the Olympics. We have to watch Olympics. it. We have to watch them ride their bikes really hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so okay. we have that. So we that's that. going to be our next heads and training book. And, and then, what is your selection for next, next month? Is my selection, and this actually we are going to have another guest with us. Yay! Who is um, that? His name is John Luca. Uh, he is actually one of my coworkers. Uh, I shouldn't say coworkers. He's my friend. Um, but he was like hearing what we were doing and. Uh-huh. Uh, I was telling him about the podcast and we were talking about it and he was like, you know, there's this book I've been wanting to finish. And he's like, what if I came on and I did this? And it was totally his idea. He asked to be on it. He asked to be on um, Potheads Who Read with us. And it's going to be called, I actually looked up online how to say this name. So if I say it wrong, I apologize. But we are going to be reading A Man Called Uva. By mm. Frederick Backman. Mm. So I did a little exploring. I did some delving into the story, and I think it'll be it'll be a good good little book. I, I, I read the very um, very different synopsis. From yes, yeah, it'll be very different. I read the synopsis a while back, and it, I mean it sounded good. So yeah, so I'm excited for that. Um, John Luca's excited to join us. So Yay. that will be our next book for next month, guys super exciting yeah you can see find us on all the social medias except twitter so i should guess i should just say facebook and instagram we we haven't gone to we haven't twitter gone yet. to twitter yet we probably um, should we just haven't yet haven't maybe yet. at the maybe at the beginning of season two maybe um, season two, yeah <laughs> uh but you can find us on facebook and, and instagram potheads who read um, you can email us. It's pothits who read at Gmail. And then you can find us on everything for to download us and yeah. listen to us and subscribe and rate. Or if you can't find us on your favorite platform, uh, send us a, a message and I'll figure out how to get us onto your your listening platform. Yes, because I try. I don't I there's so many platforms out there. I'm yeah. like, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot out there. So, um, yeah, guys, thank you for joining us yeah, for Neverwhere. You. Yeah. And uh, go crack a book open. And thank you for reading with us. Right. Bye. Bye.